capacity in Oasis Church in front of the church on a Sunday morning. He's spoken obviously in Thurston student stuff and on the weekend away recently in his home church as well back down in Portsmouth land. So uh, it's not that he's not used to doing this kind of thing, but um, we're, um, we're working with Richard over this year because he's giving us a year of his valuable time as a kind of an intern in Oasis Church, learning what it's like to be a great leader. Uh, and uh, he has the... He has the honour of working in our office, uh, so he sees what I'm like on a day-to-day basis, and that's a little troubling for me, but he's, uh, he tells me he's inspired. So um, one of the things he does know about him is I have this habit of singing one line of worship songs all day long, and it's the same line. So, uh, and everybody that ever works with me knows that's one of my, my nuances. But uh, what I love about Richard is he's got a really humble heart, and he's got a massive servant heart. And everything he does... He does, without complaining, he just gets on and does it. Whether it's kind of glamour in the headlights, as it were, as you might describe this morning, looks a little bit like, or unseen when nobody's looking and work needs to be done. He rolls his sleeves up and he gets on and does it. So uh, that's a real good testament. Anybody that wants to follow in Jesus' footsteps, Jesus himself came to serve and not to be served, and that's what, that's what Richard's heart is. So he's here today to speak to us because he wants to serve Jesus and he wants to serve us, and we're really excited that he's going to do so. So I'm just going to pray for him, and then I'll hand over. So thank you for this man, Lord. Thank you for his heart to serve you and to serve us. I pray your blessing on him, Lord God, today. Over these next few minutes, your Holy Spirit would fall on him. He'd know your presence, Lord, in his body and through his words, that he'd know your pleasure and he'd speak your word of truth to us that can change our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, Rich. Great. Uh, thanks very much. What an, what an intro. Um, so, as we've been looking at, uh, kind of over the last few uh, weeks, we've been doing this series um, in John's Gospel, um, entitled I Am, uh, looking at some of the big claims that Jesus has made over his life. Um, we've looked at things uh, like when he said, uh, before Abraham was, I am. You know, and in that, he's claiming to be uh, the God who is uncreated, you know, who's self-sufficient, who is everything that we could need. We've seen him claim to be the bread of life, you know, the only one who can, who can satisfy that hunger inside us for something more. We've seen him claim to be the light of the world, the only one who can reveal uh, truth um, and reality in a world of competing voices. And this morning, we have another one of those great titles, uh, I Am The Door. It's uh, probably not quite as impressive sounding, um, but um, it's my hope that we, this morning we're going to see it reveals something to us about Jesus uh, that just draws us close to him and satisfies everything that we could ever want. And it starts, we're going to look at it from the Bible, uh, which is always a good place to start. Um, John 10, uh, 1 to 10. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he's brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they'll flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door. 
of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. We're going to be looking a little bit more in a few weeks' time about what it means for Jesus to be the good shepherd. It's another one of his great kind of titles. Uh, But this morning, what we're going to see is that Jesus is using uh, this imagery of himself as the shepherd and his followers as the sheep to say, uh, this is what my flock looks like. This is what uh, my followers look like. This is what my people look like. He's putting down the marker to all of those listening, to those already following him, his disciples, to those opposing him, kind of the Pharisees, the religious elite of the day, and to those who are kind of undecided, people from anywhere and everywhere around who just gathered in to listen to him. He's calling out to them and he's saying, are you in? He is that shepherd in verse 3, calling out to his sheep, asking for a response. He's, he's asking for a judgment from everyone listening. What's your opinion of Jesus this morning? To you, is he a good man? Is he a great teacher? Is he a madman who claims to be God but isn't? Is he God himself? It's a divisive thing to be saying. And as the people were listening to him, I'm sure they'd be divided, even as some of us here might be dividing now. For some of us, we'll be thinking, yes, I believe that he is who he says he is. You know, that great God come to earth. For others of us, we'll be thinking, I'm not really sure. But one way or another, Jesus is saying that we have to have an opinion about him. That's a significant thing in our culture, even more so than for those listening directly to him. We don't like the fact that we might have to make a choice. But we can't just go on living our lives thinking, you know, I try and live a good life. I try and do good to those around me. But Jesus, I'm not sure if I'm all in. He's not leaving that option open to us, though. He is that shepherd calling out for a response. Who's Jesus to you this morning? But those listening, they didn't really understand, so he has to push it even further. He has to take it up a notch. And so we get in verse 7 and verse 9 to this big I am. I am the door. And as Jesus kind of makes it clearer what he's saying, he makes it more edgy, more divisive. In saying, I am the door, he's not just uh, restating his claim uh, to be God. He's declaring that the only way to get to God, to know God, is through him. That's the only way. His life, death, and resurrection. That's what Jesus is saying And our culture really doesn't like that one. The idea that uh, any one person, 
any one religion might be able to claim to know an ultimate truth. Our culture doesn't like that. For many people in the 21st century, that goes too far. You know, our culture says things like, uh, that might be true for you, but it's not true for me. You know, how can anyone claim to know ultimate truth? Isn't that arrogant? Isn't that exclusive? And yet, that's exactly what Jesus is claiming. No other major world religion has been started by somebody claiming to be God. Christianity is distinct in that when Jesus comes, he doesn't say, as the others do, I have found a new way to God, or to the gods, or to enlightenment, or to whatever kind of divine authority they're appealing to. He comes and says, I am God. I am the door. In order to be saved, you must go through me. He's saying that it's not enough to be born into a Christian family. It's not enough to uh, come to church every week. It's not enough to uh, say the right words and sing the right songs. What Jesus is saying is the, the only way to know God now and eternally and to know that abundant life is through him. He is the door. To say that Jesus is the only way to God doesn't go far enough. No, far more fundamentally, there is no God apart from the one revealed in Jesus. Amen. Yes. That's what he's claiming. That's what he's saying. You know, not that he is the, the only way, but that he is the only God. That's a big claim. That's a bold claim. That's the claim Jesus is inviting us to think about this morning. That's the call he makes to his flock when he asks for a response. Follow me and I'll save you. Follow me and I'll lead you to green pastures. Follow me, I'll lead you to abundant life. It's the same message that keeps coming through time and time again in this series. I am enough. Through him, Jesus is saying, we have all that we need, all that we could ever want, that abundant life. So what does this life look like? It looks, first of all, like security, but not security that comes from our own confidence. Um, coming up on the screen now is a picture of a guy uh, some of you might recognize. His name is Kanye West. He is a rapper from America, uh, and he had this to say about himself. Uh, my greatest pain in life is that I will never be able to see myself perform live. <laughs> uh, it'd probably be a bit of an understatement to say that this guy has some self-confidence. Um, but his confidence is wrapped up entirely in himself, in his own performance. If that's his greatest pain in life, I'd say he's probably doing pretty well. <laughs> For the people that, that Jesus is speaking to in the passage we've heard this morning, though, living under the, the weight of the oppression of a, a Roman empire at the very height of its power, all of their hope, all of their confidence is wrapped up in an individual. But it's an individual that they don't even know. 
See, right the way through the Old Testament, all through uh, the story of the people of Israel, has been this call that one day, one person is going to come. One saviour, one messiah, someone to, to set them free, set everything to rights again. A message passed down through the generations. Someone who's going to come and establish a kingdom that will have no end, that will go on forever. And for the people that Jesus is speaking to, for them, uh, they think that that means a military leader, someone to, to lead a revolution, to kick the Romans out, reclaim their homeland, or a political leader, someone to, to stand up, win them their freedom, their rights back again. And yet, all those who had made that claim, all those who had claimed to be that promised saviour, had fallen short. Revolutionary leaders around the time, people like Simon of Perara, they'd been crushed in battle, executed by the Romans as an example to others. Political leaders, people like the Pharisees, people like King Herod, had sold out to the Romans. You know, they'd, they'd traded their allegiance in order to, to keep their wealth, keep their status, keep their power. All of them had failed. The people had put their hope and trust in different individuals in the hope that maybe they might be the one. But all of them had fallen short. The people were hoping and longing for something better, for a life that was better, a life that was characterized by those, uh, those four R's that we've been living with throughout this series of restoration, rest, refreshment, and refuge. They'd hoped that maybe it would be in one of these people, but all of them had fallen short. All of them had let them down. But don't we do exactly the same? Don't we do the same? It's probably not that you're looking for a military leader this morning to come and overthrow the government. Some of you might be. It's probably not. It's probably not even that you're looking for a political leader to kind of secure those things for you. But all of us are looking for them somewhere. You know, that safety, that security, feeling stable, free from danger, free from fear or anxiety. We're all looking for something better. And many of the things that we can be tempted to put our hope and trust in in order to provide that are good things. You know, our, our jobs, our families, home comforts, even uh, the latest gadgets are not intrinsically bad, but none of them are the one thing that stands firm through any storm. And we can see uh, the fruit of putting our hope and trust in them. Because when things don't go so well, when uh, family life's a bit of a struggle, when uh, your boss is nagging at you at work, not Gus, <laughs> that's when your security drops. <laughs> that's when things get hard. Anything and everything that contributes towards us feeling like we've attained that sense of security, which comes from anything other than Jesus, leaves us in danger 
of falling victim to those thieves and strangers. You know, to the people listening to Jesus, thieves would be those people who've, who've sold out to the Romans you know, to hide away their wealth. Strangers would be those people who, who those false messiahs, they came promising to be the one, but, but they were nothing like him. For us, they're anything that robs us of a faith that keeps Jesus at the center or displaces him with the next new thing. For me, I find that my struggle is often against basing my security on my own performance. You know, when, uh, when I've had a good day, when I've ticked lots of things off my to-do list, when I've set aside some quiet time, when I've made great progress on the next uh, talk or planning the next event or whatever it is, that's when I feel secure. That's when I feel fresh. When I've had a bad day, when I've stared at the computer screen for hours with the word count mysteriously not going up of its own accord. You know, and then I've got home and watched TV for a few hours and before you, you know it, you look at the clock and it's 1 a.m. and you think, how did this happen? Haven't I wasted my day? That's when things start to wobble for me. I have to preach this message to myself again and again. No matter how it feels like my day has gone, my security doesn't rest in my own achievements. I have to remind myself that it rests on something so much more solid. So what's the alternative? Jesus sums up his answer in those four words. I am the door. See, in many Middle Eastern sheepfolds, even today, uh, after a long day of roaming the fields, roaming the pastures, caring for the sheep, uh, the shepherds would bring them back to a pen for the night. Uh, normally it would be kind of a rough circle of stones, just about high enough to keep the sheep in and keep anything unsavory out. But the doorway wouldn't be kind of a, a door like we'd know. It would just be a gap between the two walls. At night, the shepherd would lie down in that gap. That's where they'd sleep. That's where they'd stay, physically filling the space with their body to provide that last line of defense against any uh, thieves, strangers, wild animals who might want to come along. That's where they'd sleep. The sheep's safety is secured by the shepherd putting themselves in harm's way, putting the needs of the sheep above their own. And that's the kind of savior that Jesus is. We can tell them apart from all of those other thieves and strangers because their concern is always for themselves. You know, for their status, for their power. For Jesus, he wasn't interested in status. You know, he was born in a stable. He lived a humble life as a carpenter's son in a nothing town in the middle of nowhere. You know, a town where people said nothing good would ever come from there. He wasn't interested in military power. He told his followers to uh, turn the other cheek. Even after he'd just been betrayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, he told Peter, put your sword away. That's not what I'm about. He wasn't interested in lording it over those around him. 
as we've already heard, he said he came not to be served, but to serve. He washed his disciples' feet. All of it pointing forward to the day when he dies on the cross in order that he might be that one who stands in the gap between God and mankind with no regard for his own self-worth, no regard for his own well-being, in order that he might be that door that allows us to enter the true uh, restoration, rest, refreshment, and refuge that he has always known, that he's always enjoyed with the Father. For all eternity, God has been three in one. It's a loving community of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit characterized and sharing these things. You know, complete restoration. Not that God needs restoring, but that restoration flows outwards from him as a result of his love, changing lives, healing the broken, bringing hope wherever it goes. Complete rest in the completed work of creation and salvation. You know, after Jesus... um, died on the cross, he said, it is finished. He rested. After God created the world, he rested. It's not that he's inactive in his rest. He's active in the world, bringing all of these things, but that the big work, making a way for us to come back to him, that's done. That's taken care of. Complete refreshment that again comes from God. An overflow of his love, creating life pouring out goodness on anyone who draws close. You know, something that's so much better than anything else on the outside. Complete refuge that comes from knowing one another so closely that nothing is hidden away. Everything is shared in total unity. That's what Jesus has always enjoyed. And that's what he comes to share. A security that cannot be shaken because it's based not on ourselves but on the one who is unshakable. The one who is eternal. The one who is unchanging. Abundant life is not about having more stuff. It's not about having a good day. It's about having Jesus. Having Jesus. And in him, finding everything that we could ever need. In him, finding restoration. In him, finding rest. In him, finding refreshment. In him, finding refuge. Having him and in him finding that one thing that we all need. But it doesn't just stop there. It doesn't just stop with us. The sheep can't ever stay within the pen. That's a place of refuge. It's a place of safety for the night. But in the day, they go out. They spread out into the fields and the pastures to to roam and to graze, to enjoy the goodness of the world around them. They go in and out and find pasture. It's in the fullness of that rhythm that they find abundant life. Just as important as the times when we gather in are the times when we go out. We don't want to stay forever in the pen. We're called to be those who cultivate. Here's an example. 
I'm a son uh, to my parents, and that's something that's true all of the time, every moment of every day. It doesn't change. But setting aside time to enjoy that relationship, hanging out and uh, talking and having fun, doesn't undermine the ongoing reality that I am their son. It enhances it. It's the same with everything that Jesus brings us. Dedicating time to enjoying that, to living in the fullness of it, to gathering in in the sheepfold, to give ourselves in worship, to be reminded of everything that he's done, everything that he is. It's not meant to trap us inside the pen, you know, make us think, you know, okay, this is great, so we'll just stay here. We'll just stay in the Mosley room on a Sunday. It's meant to enable us to go out into the world more secure in the knowledge of his safety in order that we might be able to cultivate all of these things in the world around us. We're sent out to be those who bring restoration, rest, refreshment, refuge, wherever we've been uniquely placed. We draw in that we might be sent out. It's the same for us as it is for the shepherd, drawing in and going out. You know, wherever you are, whatever your life situation is like here in 21st century Birmingham, in your jobs or with your families or with your recovery or with your studies, all of us get the unique privilege of bringing these things wherever we've been placed. And through that, revealing Jesus who is the ultimate expression of all of them. That's what it means to be those who cultivate. The message that we've been named Oasis in order to remind us of who we are together and who we are to reveal through our lives is the one that we've been living with this year. In Jesus saying, I am the door, it reveals one who is enough. For our salvation, for our security, and for our surroundings. How are you going to respond to that, Jesus, this morning? Maybe for you, um, the response is to focus in on Jesus again. To look again at those claims that he makes about himself. The big claims that we heard about earlier. Do you believe that he is who he says he is? Think more about it. Read into it. Look into it. Discuss it. Find out for yourself. Maybe for you, uh, the response is that you need to be reminded again more and more of that safety and security that comes through him. We've been hearing about it. God's been speaking to us all through this morning that he is the door to freedom and hope and security. You know, what's imprisoning you this morning? Whether it's fear or anxiety or an over-reliance on on anything else for your security. Jesus wants to be the one to come and set you through by entering in through him. In a minute, um, we're going to close the meeting. We're going to break up. And after that, Uh, There's going to be a load of people around the front with red badges on. 
um, who would just love to pray for you. If you feel like God's been speaking to you this morning, saying that he wants to set you free, if you want that, we'd love to pray for you. That you might be able to enter through him. Really take hold of everything it is that he offers. Or perhaps for you, it feels like you've been stuck inside the sheep pen for too long. That it's great, you love being around on a Sunday, uh, you're, you're growing, you, you know Jesus more closely, but you're ready for that next step. You want to start impacting the world around you. Well, how we do that will be different for each of us. But it starts with intentionality. How are you going to be intentional this week about bringing those four R's with you wherever you go? About revealing Jesus wherever you've been uniquely placed? Why don't we stand together? Jesus, you know each of our hearts. You know what's on each of us. You know that for some of us, we're, we're in the middle of the story. We just need to know your security again. We need to know your peace again. For some of us, we might be right at the start of our story. I pray you'd reveal yourself to those of us who that rings true for this morning. Maybe you need to be reminded that he's with you everywhere. Jesus, I pray you would do that this morning as well. I thank you for who you are. I thank you for what you've done. I thank you that you are the door by which we enter life and life that is abundant, that is overflowing with you. Pray that we'd know that more closely this morning.